Tonight's Wednesday night, and I'm talking to you about several subjects. I'm talking to you about predestination. And I'm talking to you about the apostasy, which is the exact opposite of what we are predestined to. We are predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. What his image is, it is not uh, the opposite of what he said we're blessed for. When he says we're blessed are the poor in spirit, the word poor is P-T-O-C-H-O-S. That means emptied out. One who's empty of self. Once in a while you'll hear me say, some guy is full of himself. There has to be a dying daily to get rid of your greatest problem, which is you. My greatest problem is me. The Bible does not say, if any man will come after me, let him deny his demon. It says, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus said in Luke 4, 18, Luke 4 and 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is the truth. We've said that over and over again. The Holy Spirit is truth. John fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, John fifteen, twenty-six, John sixteen, thirteen, first John five and six. The Spirit is the truth. So Jesus said, The truth is upon me, for the Lord hath anointed me. And you find that we're anointed with truth in John, in 1 John uh, 2, 27. We're anointed with truth. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the PTO, the poor, the emptied out. Unless you are emptied out, the gospel is not being preached to you. Being emptied out is a long process in your life. To preach the gospel to the poor, to the to the blind, he's not talking about literal blind. He's talking about all of those Gentiles that were blind over here in the Old Testament. And only Israel, the one flesh, had the truth. Now he's pouring out of his spirit on all flesh or all men, which means red, yellow, white, black, and brown men. It doesn't mean every individual. Now, uh, he said to the blind, he says to uh, to bring bring those out of prison or to bring liberty to the captives, liberty, and that means that's the same word as A-P-H-E-S-I-S. It means to forgive. He said, bring liberty to the captive and to the bruised. T-H-R-A-U. Throw. uh, T-H-R-A-O-U. Throw means crushed. So God only comes to those that he crushes. How are you crushed? Well, you're crushed through your daily life. You're crushed when you try to believe the truth and tell people about it, and they just don't want to hear it. Christmas is pagan, predestination is true, and so forth. I've got a paper here that I read some to you before, 
And it's written by Arthur Pink. It's called The Gospel of Satan or The Work of Satan. And he starts off here with a, with a word where he says, The Apostle Paul says, We are not ignorant of Satan's devices in Second Corinthians 2.11. The popular ideas of the masses in regard to the person of Satan are utterly erroneous and misleading. Satan doesn't come wearing a red suit, horns, and a tail, and hooves around his feet. That's not the way he comes. He comes over there. That's one of the fairy tales of mankind. That's the way Satan comes. You're going to find in Second Corinthians... The 11th chapter, that Satan comes, and he comes transforming himself into an angel of light. Transform, metaschematizo, S-C-H-E-M-A-T-I-Z-O. Metaschematizo means to disguise oneself. He's disguised as Jesus. That's what he's disguised as. When you look at the first part of that of that chapter, go over there to Second Corinthians eleven chapter. I'm going to read a little of this out of Mr. Pink's book. But go to the eleventh chapter of and I'm gonna we're talking about the apostasy. I'm talking about the Baptist the Baptists have gone the way of the world. Baptist doctrine, the London Baptist Confession of 1689, is packed full of the sovereignty of God and predestination. I've got some copies of that. A lot of times I order them. But when you go over here, how does Satan come? How does Satan present himself? Back over to 1 Corinthians the 11th chapter, 2 Corinthians 11 chapter, 11. And this will tell you how he comes, how he presents himself. He doesn't, the world has been deceived by preachers. I believe the preachers are way off base and out in left field. I don't like the preachers today. I've said this before. One of the most depressing things that I can say to you is that I don't know of another preacher in America that is, notice the word, that is trying. I'm not saying I know everything, but I'm the only one that I know of that is trying to tell all the truth all the time, and I don't hinge or back up on anything I don't believe in baptism. I believe baptism. Water baptism was proselyte baptism. Baptism now. Baptize, if you look in a Strong's Concordance, it'll tell you, baptize is the word, comes from two words. Baptizo. And when you look up baptizo, it'll say two cover. To cover does not mean to dip. It means to spread something over the top of something. That's what it means. And then it'll say C, and it gives you a number. I don't recall what it is. When you go to the number, it says Babto. Now, this is in your concordance. 
This is not some mysterious thing. And it is said, baptism means to stain with a dye. And baptizo originally was not a verb. Verb, it wasn't an action verb that shows action. We think of baptizing somebody as dipping them downward. That would be wrong according to Jewish culture. That's not what they did. When they buried somebody, it wasn't like this, dipping downward. They buried people. Any self-respecting Jew would be buried in a cave or a tomb, which would be sideways. You'd have to dip somebody sideways, but you'd have to sprinkle the water, let them run through a, a sprinkler of water that would stain them all over with a, with a red-stained coloring of some kind course we know what that is that's the blood of christ he's washed us from our sins in his own blood he did the washing we didn't do the dipping and originally baptize and bapto it was one word in the greek and it was it was an infinitive it was an infinitive in case you don't know what an infinitive is it is a noun a noun is a person, place, or thing. Well, what does it mean? Where does, the, where does the action come in? It comes in from the fluid. It means it's an infinitive. An infinitive is a verbal noun. It means to cover something, to stain it and dye it, and he's washed from our sins in his own blood. People need to deal with that. And when you look in... Strong's, the McClinican Strong, and you look up baptize, it will say in there, Mr. Strong will tell you it was a verbal noun. He says it. I didn't make that up. Good grief. Now I'm talking about false doctrine. I believe that baptizing in water and dipping people in water is a false doctrine. I'm never going to dip anybody in water. I believe that Christ baptizes all of his uh, people. I ran across a lady up at the grocery store the other day, walking down an aisle. I wasn't walking down an aisle to accept Christ either. (laughs) I just walked down this aisle, and she looked at me and started smiling. She said, I watch you on TV. I really like what you teach. And we got to talking. I talked to her about 20, 25 minutes. And I explained to her what baptized was. I said it was an infinitive. It means to cover something, to stain it and dye it. And Christ is washed from our sins in his own blood. When there's one baptism, it is blood. It's not water. It's not H2O. That's figurative language. A blood baptism was a death. But you can't get people to say that. You can find it in all your Greek books. You can find it in all the the McClinican Strong, the Hastings, and you can't get people to say it. They just won't. Point I'm getting at, there's so much error going on in all the churches of the world. The Baptists have all this error. They are apostate. The largest Southern Baptist seminaries in Fort Worth, Texas, it is Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. The man who started that was a man that every Southern Baptist knows his name. 
I don't know if you know what the Southern Baptist Convention is. It's the largest Protestant denomination in the world. Because it's got Southern Baptists don't mean they're in the South. Not Southern Baptists everywhere. Southern Baptist Convention is the largest. It's larger than all the independents and all the missionary Baptists put together. They founded, B.H. Carroll founded that seminary in Fort Worth on the doctrines of predestination. You can't find predestination with a hundred miles of southwestern now. He founded it on that. Yet they don't even believe that. William Carey, who founded the seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, Southern Seminary, the next to the largest Southern Baptist seminary, founded that on predestination. That's what the that's what they founded it on, and yet the Baptists have fallen so far away from it, they're giving these invitation hymns. The Bible doesn't teach invitation hymns. It doesn't teach God inviting anyone into the fold. It teaches that he's come to call his sheep to him. He said, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Now, over here in First Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 11, 2 Corinthians 11. This will tell you how people have fallen away and what drags them away from the truth. I keep telling people, there are two Jesus in the Bible. Two of them. One of the Jesus is Satan transforming himself into an angel of light. And the other Jesus is the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible, his doctrines are all death to self, daily cross, self-denial, being hated by the world, being reproached. That's a, that's a word that none of these famous preachers want in their vocabulary. Reproach. Bless you to you when men shall reproach you. Now, reproach doesn't sound like much. When you give the definition of it, boy, it's devastating. Aniedzo, O-N-E-I-D-I-Z-O. Aniedzo means to be infamous. Blessed are you when, when you're infamous. You're not famous, you're infamous. That's backwards from famous when everybody hates you. Now that's what the Bible says, whether these preachers, all these heads, you know how popular you have to be to become president of the Southern Baptist Convention all those Baptists have to love you across the world and the only men that ever become president of the Southern I pick on the Southern Baptists they were one of the last bastions of Christianity to just literally throw out predestination the Bible says whether they like it or not. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. <laughs> whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also, also justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. The ones that were predestined were called, called, justified, glorified. Predestined were called just every one of these are past tense verbs, aorist indicative. So the call, the kaleo, they were called before the foundation of the world. When you when you look at these words and what they mean, the Bible also says in Ephesians one and four, 
He hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Verse 5, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ unto himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. He did it because he wanted to. And then he goes on to say in verse 11, uh, in verse 5, having predestinated us into the adoption. Adoption is huiothesia. U-I-O-T-H-E-S-I-A. Huiothesia comes from huios antithema. It means to place, to place sons. You don't place yourself as a son in a family. God does that. And then he says, you've got a couple other places that's mentioned. I won't get into that right now. But predestination is a fact. I had one guy write to me and said, well, whom he did foreknow? He foreknew everybody. He did not? Good grief. Foreknow. Prognosco. P-R-O-G-I-N-O-S-K-O. Gnosko means to know intimately ahead of time. He says to those men who come to him in Matthew 7, Lord, Lord, at the judgment, haven't we prophesied in thy name, in thy name cast out devils, in thy name done many wonderful works? He said, I will say to those men, depart from me, I never gnosko you. How could he know everybody? When the Bible says he didn't know those people that stand there at the judgment, say, we did all this for you. Now, let's read here in chapter 11. Would to God you would bear with me a little in my folly. Paul says, I'm going to speak foolishly, like men speak. And indeed, bear with me, for I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve, that you're going to be led away from this one husband, Christ, to another Christ. Beguiled is the word exapatao, ex. E-X-A-P-A-T-E-O. Ex-apatao means to delude with the X on the front of it. It means completely. He says you're completely deluded by this other Jesus. I believe the world is really led away in, by the other Jesus. The Baptists are not Baptists anymore. The Pentecostals never were. I don't believe the charismatic doctrine is Christianity at all. I believe it's the doctrine of the devil. When the Bible says that in the latter times there in 1 Timothy 4 and 1, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith and give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Doctrines of devils They'll be seduced by doctrines by by didache instruction of D A 
D-E-M-O-N-I-O-N. That is the word. When you have devil, you either have the word demonion or diabolos. D-I-A-B-O-L-O-S. This is the word demonion. It is I word demon. And it means to distribute fortunes. What is it that Kenneth Copeland preaches? What is it that T.G. Jakes preaches? I'm spelling that wrong. I got it. T-U-N-E-S. What is it they preach? They preach, if you send us your money, God will has he's obligated to restore it to you a hundredfold. That is an out and out lie. That's called corporate quo. And that's that's giving something in exchange for something. And the eleventh chapter of Romans says you cannot give give for to God to get from God, because of him and to him and through him are all things. Now so they're being seduced by the desire for self. It's money they're seduced by. And who is it that is in need of money? The poor. They pray to the poor. They tell the poor, if you will borrow money from your family, go borrow $1,000. I heard that con man, Crook, R.W. Sandbuck, said one night, he said, don't go get $1,000 from your family. Get 2000 and send it in. And God's obligated to give you a hundred dollar a hundred back for every dollar you give. Therefore you'll get two hundred thousand dollars back. These guys are distributing fortunes. That's what they preach. They preach the doctrine of the devil. Now let's keep on reading here. As the serpent Exapatao deluded Eve completely through his subtility. The word subtility is panogia, P-A-N-O-U-R-G-I-A. Panogia means trickery, sophisticated trickery, adroitness. It means Satan was, and you know all that Satan did? He did something real simple. He didn't say God wasn't God. He came to Eve in the garden and said, Did God say? All he did was put God's word in question. What these guys do, these crooks, Copeland and company and all these guys, they just simply put put a different meaning on God's words. As the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity. Simplicity is a word that means corrupt. corrupt. It means cleanliness. From the, that is, from the simplicity, he's corrupted your minds. I like the word corrupt. The minds of America is corrupt. Phthero. P-H-T-H. E-I-R-O. It means to rot. Your mind, your thinking is rotten. America's thinking is rotten. It's corrupt to the core. Then he goes on through this. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus, whom ye have not received, if ye have received another spirit, 
we have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, I'm afraid you will bear with these people. So there is. There is another Jesus. There is another spirit. And there's another gospel. And if it's not being preached today, I don't know what you would call it. Another Jesus. Another spirit. Spirit. Another gospel. Well, the Jesus of the Bible says, take your cross. Jesus of the Bible. Jesus of the Bible. He talks about a daily cross. And how do you get a daily cross? You had to be condemned to it. People have to hate you for what you're saying, that predestination's true, and God does not love everybody. I've got all kinds of shirts with all that on it. I wear them out in public every day. I wear them even under my long sleeve shirts, just in case I get to take them off. And I'll take them off if it's warm enough outside. Leave it in the car. Jesus preached a daily cross, a death to self, self-denial, self-denial, self-denial. And remember the word deny, A-R-N-E-O-M-A-I, A-R-N-E-O-M-A-I, or neomai means to deny, means to contradict. Well, if you don't, if you don't deny self, the Bible says, "He that beareth not his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple." You cannot be a follower of Christ without a daily cross. You can't be disciple, mathetes. Means a learner. We get the word mathematics from that. Means a learner. And you cannot be a learner. And if you can't learn the Bible, you can't obey God. And he said, if you're not obedient to me, you don't belong to me. How do you learn the scriptures as a disciple? A little at a time. You have to have a willingness to learn. And a willingness has to be brought upon you to give up self. When these guys are preaching, fulfill the flesh, God wants everybody rich and healthy, it's, it's crazy. It's actually insanity to even say that because everybody is going to die if you live long enough and you don't get killed in a car wreck or something and you die of natural causes, you're going to die either of, of pulmonary disease, you're going to die of cardiac disease that'll be your heart are you going to have cancer you're going to die of something one of your systems is going to wear out and you're going to die of old age which is heart disease pulmonary disease or any other number of diseases where your system is wore out it's funny to me that those charismatics can be healed when they're 30 but not when they're 90 and when you're 90 you're your faith is supposed to be stronger at 90 than at 30, isn't it? That's their imagination that they're being healed at 30. A lot of famous people have gone to Benny Hinn, particularly uh, the old Western actor, 
Cheyenne Bodie, what's his name? Clint Walker, six foot five, great big barrel chested guy. He went to Benny Hinn to be healed and he didn't heal him. And the boxer out of uh, Atlanta, what's his name? Holyfield. Holyfield. Holyfield went to Benny Hinn to be healed and he couldn't heal him either. It's funny, famous people are not going to accept the con. And it is a con. Now, let me keep going here. So, another Jesus, another Jesus would be one without a daily cross. Jesus said, bless you when men reproach you. The opposite of reproach, infamous, would be famous. So, the opposite of that would be famous. Famous. The opposite of self-denial would be denying Christ. But if you deny God, if you contradict Him... You know what that makes you? It. Let's look at it real quick. Just pull away from this verse. I'm not going to turn away from it. But go over here to 1 John. Go to 1 John. 1 John 2. And uh, verse 18. Little children, it is the last time. It's the end times. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrist. Antichrist is only mentioned in First and Second John. It's nowhere else in the Bible. But you've got to find out what Antichrist is. Antichrist doesn't mean the man of sin at the end of time. It means you when you're denying Christ. Whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. There's a lot of people that have left from us. And when they leave here, we've had people leave here, go back into Pentecostalism. We had one guy leave here and went back into the worship of all the masters. And Jesus was just one of the masters, along with Buddha and the rest of those guys. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might not they may that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. They wanted to be seen. But ye have an unction from the Holy One. Now the word unction is the same word as anoint that you find up there in verse twenty seven. You have an unction or an anointing from the Holy One. We're anointed later on in this chapter with the truth. And know all things. I have I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth or Naomi contradicts that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. The man that contradicts the Word of God is Antichrist. Anti means in the place of or opposing Christ. You have placed yourself, when you say that predestination is not true, and you say Christmas is not the Christ Mass, and it's not paganism, and you're going to make it something else, you're Antichrist. That's what the Bible says. Now go back over here, Second <clears throat> Corinthians 11. Then he goes on to say, 
that you either believe that there's some men coming to Corinth that they preached another Jesus, another spirit. Another spirit would be a lie because the spirit is the truth. We gave you those verses a while ago. So any other spirit would be a lie masquerading as the truth. <clears throat> I like what Mr. Uh, Pink said here. He said, Satan is not an initiator, but an imitator. He imitates Christ. He doesn't initiate anything. You remember the verse that we're to mark him that causes divisions and offenses that are contrary to the doctrines that you have learned? The word contrary, para means parallel. Satan comes with a parallel doctrine. Parallel. Parallel means it runs right alongside. They take these verses out of the Bible, they twist them, <coughs> and they pervert them. What they are, according to Second Corinthians 2.17, these are men who corrupt the Word of God. The word corrupt <coughs> means a huckster. A huckster is a salesman selling Christ cheap for money. <clears throat> now <clears throat> excuse me now let's go back over here he goes on through here and he's talking about these men and he gets down here to verse 13 for such are false apostles they're not real apostles they're false pseudo apostolos pseudo means false Deceitful workers. That word deceitful is is dolios, D-O-L-I-O-S. D-O-L-I-O-S. It comes from the word dolos, which means guile. They preach by trickery. Kenneth Copeland preaches by trickery. Why do I mention him so much? He's the daddy of that bunch. Since Oral Roberts died, he used to be Oral Roberts' personal private pilot in the 60s. That's how he got started. And he is a, he, he's the one that got Fred Price, Creflo Dollar, Jesse Duplantis, John Avanzini, Rod Parsley. Rod Parsley brought in T.D. Jakes. It's one corporation. And Copen is like the daddy of that whole movement now. That's why I give him such a hard time. He has corrupted the world with the false doctrines of the charismatic movement. And he brings in all of them that he can. I believe Kenneth Copeland will have as deep a place in hell as you can possibly have. Don't believe the man knows anything about God. Now, he goes on to say, deceitful workers transforming themselves. This is the preachers. This is the false apostles. Transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. What are these guys? They claim to be leaders of God, apostles of Christ, and preachers of truth. They, they take the word of God. They're hucksters. And the reason, they, the reason according to Second Peter... 
3. These men are unlearned, and the Bible says they rest the scriptures. Rest means to twist or to wrench. Rest. They wrench the scriptures. They twist them all to pieces. And nobody is even preaching against these guys to any degree. Now, John MacArthur will go after them some. He's got some error in his teaching, but he goes after the charismatics. Uh, there's a few people that go after him. A lot of people stand with him that are not a part of him. Jack Van Impey is not a charismatic, but he stands with him, puts his approval on him. Uh, the other so-called prophecy teacher, he does the same thing. A lot of them stand with him, and they're not even a part of him. They will receive the just reward for their deeds. Then he goes on to say, and no marvel for Satan himself. We started off saying, Satan doesn't come wearing red suit horns and a tail. No marvel for Satan himself is disguised, transformed into an angel of light or into another Jesus. He comes, there is a picture of Jesus. He looks kind of pansy, stands up there got his two fingers up that's a cub scout salute and he's doing like this and he's a real nice jesus that is their jesus that's not the jesus of the bible the jesus of the bible was a carpenter who was probably muscular he'd worked in carpentry all of his life until he went out at 30 years old and called his apostles and for three and a half years he preached the gospel so Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. The way Satan comes is this real nice Jesus that doesn't have anything bad to say, has no daily cross, no death to self, no self-denial, no being reproached. The world loves them. The world loved Billy Graham, didn't he? Billy Graham was probably the most popular preacher in the world, uh, skipping the apostles, probably the most popular preacher in the world in the last 2,000 years. He preached to millions and millions of people on TV. He was drawing in Coliseums back in 1951 and 52. He was drawing 100 to 125,000 people back then in these guys today don't draw that. He was loved by all the world. He preached a nice, gentle message. It says, all you have to do is walk down the aisle, accept Christ, pray a sinner's prayer, and say, Lord, save me for Jesus' sake. Amen. And that's not true. You have to repent. You have to be born again by the will of God, not by your will. You've got to be, you've got to be, birthed by Christ, and he has to cause you to repent of yourself. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed, metaschematizo, as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. I'm going to preach against these people the longest I live. Now let me go back to some of this, this article this is a booklet that Pink has put out. 
And he says, this gospel of Satan is not a system of revolutionary principles, nor yet a program of anarchy to overthrow Christ. It's not what it is. That's what they try to preach out here. They try to preach, well, Satanists are the problem in the world. Satanists don't mean anything. Satanists, Satan means an adversary who's ever opposing God as an adversary. That's what they are. If they oppose his words and restructure his words to mean something it don't mean, they're an adversary. It does not promote strife and war. They want to put down Satanism. That's not Satanism is not people getting together in a cavern and drawing some pentagrams. That's stupid. That's dumb. And drawing a pentagram upside down. How you doing upside down? And this is supposed to be Satan's beard here. This is his horns. And when you would go into the church of Satan, when, uh, what's the guy's name out in California? Anton LaVey. Anton LaVey. You had to step on this picture, this, you had to step on Jesus. They had a picture of Jesus. You had to step on it when you went into the church of Satan. That's nothing that's not the church of Satan. The church of Satan is the big Baptist churches, the charismatic churches. That was a circus. Would I bother me to set on, step on that Jesus' face? No, because that's the other Jesus. Even Anton LaFay was deceived into thinking that he he was alive, had a widow's peak, and wore his collar and an Elvis collar or a vampire collar. He looked goofy. Anton LaVey didn't fool anybody, did he? At all. That's not Satan. Satanism, when the, what they call Satanism in, in America, it's not Satanism. Satan is the word satanos, S-A-T-A-N-A-S. In the Greek, it's the word satan in the Hebrew. It's also the word adversary in the Hebrew. One who opposes Christ. One who opposes Christ. To oppose Christ, you contradict his word. You take the words of God and disguise them with something smooth. Let me tell you, Daddy Cross is not smooth. Self-denial is not smooth. Being hated by the world. Best of you and men shall hate you. When they persecute you when they cast out your name as evil and make you infamous when they separate from your company for the son of men's sake rejoice and leave for joy you don't hear them guys quoting those verses do you they're liars out and out you sound like you don't like them i despise them i'm supposed to be angry at the men who preach the winds of doctrine in ephesians the fourth chapter and make the church apathetic Let me read some more of this of of his. Satan's message does not promote strife and war, but aims at peace and unity. I've had people say, why can't you just get along with these preachers? That's like saying, why can't you get along with the devil's children? 
Why can't you get along with these emissaries of the devil? They're they're peaceful and they're nice guys. Nice is the problem with them. When you can get along with somebody who preaches against truth, people say, why don't we agree to disagree? Say no. I had a woman tell me that about two weeks ago. Why don't we agree to disagree? I said, I'm not ever going to agree with you. You don't know nothing about the Bible. If I agree to disagree, that makes me a compromiser. She went, she didn't know what to do. I'm not going to compromise. I said, you know nothing about the Bible. I've spent 63 years studying it. You hadn't studied it at all, and you want to disagree with me? You can't disagree. You don't know enough to disagree on. Now, I will, somebody tell me, this, you want to see me get on my high horse, just have somebody say to me, let's agree to disagree. I said, no. You don't. I said, the only thing I can agree with is not you disagreeing. Only thing I can agree is confess Christ homo legato, and that means to agree with him. Let me read some more of this. Satan's message does not seek to set the mother against her daughter, nor the father against his son. Jesus' message will do that. Satan's won't. But fosters the fraternity. This is by Arthur Pank, the Gospel of Satan. But fosters the fraternal spirit whereby the human race is regarded as one great brotherhood. We're not in a great brotherhood. My brothers and sisters, Jesus said in Mark, the third chapter, are those who do the will of the Father. It does not seek to drag down the natural man, but to improve and uplift him. It advocates education and cultivation and appeals to the best that is within us. And we don't have any good in us. There's none good, and there's none that seeketh after God. Paul said, how to perform that which is good, I don't know how. God don't cause me to do it. It aims to make this world such a comfortable and congenial habitat. Is that what it looks like in going on in the Middle East? And they're wanting to declare war over there. And is that what's going on in America with all these people picking up rifles and going up in hotel buildings and shooting people? Does that sound like a peaceful habitat? That Christ's absence from it will be felt and God will not be needed. I heard that Donald Trump got on the... Somebody asked him, do you have faith in God? He said, well, I don't need that. I want to fix it myself. <laughs> it endeavors to occupy man so much with this world that he has no time or inclination to think of the world that is to come. It propagates the principle of self-sacrifice, charity and benevolence, and teaches us to live for the good of others and to be kind to all. You can't be kind to everybody. Kind means to meet a man's need. You're not doing him any good when you're when you substitute getting along with him for kindness. It is it strongly appeals strongly to the carnal mind and is proper with the masses, popular with the masses. 
the carnal mind is enmity against God in Romans 8 chapter. It ignores the solemn facts that by nature man is a fallen creature. It says everybody's got a little bit of good in them. Have you ever heard somebody say that? I believe everybody's got a little bit of good. And Paul says there's none good, none seeks after God. That's what these guys are teaching. Alienated from the life of God and dead in trespasses and sin, that his only hope lies in being born again. They they just crisscross that out. In contradistinction to the gospel of Christ, the gospel of Satan teaches salvation by works. Not salvation that works, but by works. It inculcates justification before God on the ground of human merits. Its sacramental phrase is, be good and do good. But it fails to recognize that in the flesh dwelleth no good thing. That's that's Mr. Pink's words. It announces salvation by character, which reverses the order of God's word. Character by as the fruit of salvation. It very it's it's Various ramifications and organizations are manifold. Temperance, reform movements, Christian socialist leagues, ethical culture societies, peace congresses are all employed perhaps unconsciously in claiming this gospel of Satan, salvation by works. Our salvation works. It's God that works in you to will and do of good, his good pleasure. But if he's not working, you have no you have no good works in you. Does everybody realize that when God opens up your heart and shines the light is and shows you how dark your soul is? Yeah. The pledge card is substituted for Christ. I pledge, here's my pledge, I'm going to give my heart to Jesus when he doesn't want your filthy heart. The heart is deceitful above all all things and desperately wicked. The cultivation cultivation of the old man is considered more practical than the creation of the new man in Christ Jesus. The apostles of Satan are not saloon keepers and white traffic White slave traffickers, or maybe add to that drug dealers or drug lords, but are for the most part ordained ministers. That's who they are. The problem with America is not drugs. I told this to a famous gospel singer down at the Rivergate. I ran into him. I said, The problem with America is not is not drugs. It's not rock and roll. It's not rap music. It's not abortion. It's not homosexuality. I said, that's not the problem. It's the preachers in the pulpits. And he wanted to argue with me. I said, you want to argue about that? I'm not going to have anything to do with you until God deals you your heart. I've seen him around town a few times. I walked up beside him one day up here at the Hendersonville Market. He didn't even turn and look at me. He's six foot six, and he wouldn't even look at me. He know I'm going to jump his case if he says a word to me. Because I didn't put up with him. He's a foolish man. Very famous gospel singer. Thousands of those who occupy our modern pulpits 
are no longer engaged in presenting the fundamentals of Christian faith, but have turned aside from the truth and have given heed unto fables. Mr. Pink died in 1952. It didn't seem so bad back then, but he didn't paint a good picture of America in 1952. I was 13 years old. Instead of magnifying the enormity of sin and setting forth its eternal consequences, these preachers minimize it by declaring that sin is merely ignorance of the absence of good. And he goes on. Let me read something else to you. Instead of declaring that without shedding of blood is no remission. By the way, remission is the same word as forgiveness of offenses. It means to pardon and release from prison. They merely hold up Christ as the great exemplar, exhort their hearers to follow his steps. Of them it must be said, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness, have submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Their message may sound plausible, or it may sound kind of okay. And their aim appear very praiseworthy, yet we read of them, for such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Mr. Pink didn't cut no slack for nobody. Prior to 1952, he wrote probably wrote this some years before in the 40s or the 30s. Therefore, there is no no great thing to be wondered at if his ministers are transformed into ministers of righteousness. In addition to the fact that today hundreds of churches today, what's he talking about? 1945, 1938, when I wasn't even born. In addition to the fact that today hundreds of churches are without a leader who faithfully declares the whole counsel of God and presents his way of salvation, the narrow way. We also have to face the additional fact that the majority of people in these churches are very unlikely to learn the truth for themselves. This big Baptist church, they don't know the truth. He's not saying it. I've watched him on TV. The big church out there off Long Island, he's not saying anything. Not telling them what sinners they are. How God has to open their heart by his will because they don't have any good in themselves to open it up. The family altar where a portion of God's word was wont to be read daily is now even in the homes of nominal Christians, largely a thing of the past. The Bible is not expanded in the pulpit. It is not read in the pew. He's talking about the churches when he was alive in the 30s and 40s. He's not talking about the churches today. How bad are they today if this is what Mr. Peek said where they were back in the 30s and 40s? Hence the majority who are are too indolent means lazy to search for themselves are left at the mercy of those whom they pay to preach for them this is sounds like Jim Brown doesn't it hmm. this man was the last of the great wood 
he would have been a Puritan if he lived 300 years ago. Many of whom betray their trust by studying and expounding economic and social problems rather than the laws of God. Proverbs 14 and 12. The Bible says this several times. There's a way which seemeth right unto a man. That's what the world says. There's a way. They think it's being nice and being moral. But the end thereof are the ways of death. This way which ends in death is the devil's delusion, his deception. This way which ends in death is his delusion. It's the gospel of Satan. This man was tough, wasn't he? As nails. Let me read a little more of this. It appropriates itself to religious terminology, sometimes appeals to the Bible for its support. They try to support their beliefs by the Bible by perverting the words of the Bible. That's all of them. I can't name them all. Copeland and Jakes and Joyce Myers and that blonde-headed goofball woman. I can't think of her name. Paula White. White. She's an idiot. Did you know that Paula White is Donald Trump's religious counselor? And she's dumb. She knows nothing about the Bible. It holds up before men lofty ideals and is proclaimed by those who have graduated from our theological institutions. There was a preacher halfway between in Gallatin. I jumped him one night. They were down here at the high school, what is now Bob Ellis Middle School, used to be the high school. They have a meeting. They were having a meeting whether they were supposed to, whether they're going to vote for to make Sumner County wet and it was all dry back then there was no liquor sold in the county and I was there listening and the preacher was the pastor of First Baptist Church he's dead now he was on one end of the one on one end of the stage and the guy on the other end of the stage his name was Nick Buonucci Nick was just a pagan he was for liquor by the drink down on this end The preacher had a man sitting beside him. He and his wife were drinkers. And the preacher was supposed to be against liquor by the drink. And he made the statement. He was pastor of the big Baptist church at the time before he died. He said, I've got a lot of good Christian friends that drink. I went, what? I just thought, you you what? Well, the man sitting beside him was a drinker, and his wife was a real estate agent, and I've seen her looped at, at real estate gatherings. And he was trying to make excuse by saying, some of these good, good Christians drink. Well, I said, I'm going to go down there, and I'm going to nail him after this meeting. And I headed down, and I had my pocket full of cassettes at the time, this is back in the in the nineties, and I took off down, and I run into this preacher up here that was pastoring this church halfway between here and Gallatin, 
And he said, how are you, Jim? I said, I'm doing fine, but I don't know a lot of Christians that drink. Do you? He said, well, now that's your problem. You go around town preaching to everybody. I said, well, I certainly do. <laughs> what do you mean I go around town to preaching to everybody? I thought I should have said, isn't that your job? <laughs> and I told him, I said, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, have not the faith of our Lord. I told him this out of James 2 and 1. Have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. I said, if a man comes in your assembly wearing a good ro a robe and goodly apparel, and you say to him, sit here in the good seat, sit on the big deacon's seat, sit here on the finance committee, the Bible goes on to say you're partial in yourself, and it compares that to murder and adultery of just a few verses later in this chapter. I said, you do that, and that preacher does that, because I've been in real estate for years, and I go into Baptist homes where they've got Playboy in the magazine rack, and they, they are living wrong. They go up to these Baptist churches, and they go to the country club. One of the brokers went to the country club, left the country club drunk. He's going to turn on Gallatin Road to go up there to your church, and he was hit by a car when he was drunk, and he was killed. And he said, nobody likes you in this town. You're going around to preaching to everybody. I said, that's not your flock up there at that church. That's God's flock. You preach the truth to them. I reprimanded him. He said, I might do that. I might preach the truth to them. And he never did. And he lost the church. It's got another name on it up there now. He lost it in a money thing. I don't like that man. If I see him, I will rebuke him. Say, so maybe you lost the church. He got in, the, got in his pulpit one time and said, Jim Brown has gone the way of a cult. No, you don't even know what to call me. You meant occult means to cover up. Cult means to cultivate. You are ignorant. And he was a graduate of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He had a doctor's degree in theology. And he was ignorant. The success of illegit illegitimate corner depends largely upon how closely the counterfeit resembles the genuine article. That's how good something that's counterfeit is. It has to resemble the real thing. It has to be para, parallel, to deceive people. It has to have a Jesus. It has to have a new birth. It has to have prayer. It has to have salvation. It has to have saved. As long as you can get up and say, prayer, salvation, saved, Jesus, God. They think that'll get them into heaven. You better tell them about repentance, debt to self, daily cross. Heresy is not so much the total denial of the truth. I have said that from this pulpit. It's not a total denial of the truth as, a, as it is a perversion of it. Every time you find the word froward, you find that in, there's about 12 Different words for froward in the book of Proverbs. Every time you find it, it means twisted, 
perverted. It's how men pervert God's word and God's truth. The Bible has a lot to say about false teachers. It has as much to say about false teachers as true teachers. That is why half a lie is always more dangerous than the complete repudiation of truth. Half a lie, people will believe. If you got a Jesus in it, they'll believe, well, he preaches about Jesus. He preaches the other Jesus, the nice Jesus, the no-knowledge Jesus. Remember, nice, niskir, comes from the word nay. I mean, it's a French word. I didn't get to all the others. Another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. I got to the other Jesus. Nice, niskir. This is the word nice. It's a French word. This is the problem with American Christians. They're all, I'm a Christian, praise God, I love Jesus, don't you? (laughs) That's disgusting. If you love Jesus, keep his commandments. Die, death to self, self self-denial. Comes from nay and skir. Nay means, French means no. Skir is our words, knowledge or science. It means no knowledge. When you act nice, you are playing dumb. Nobody is as dumb as Americans act out in public, are they? You actually think people are that stupid and they don't go home and fight with their wives and their kids and have problems, drug problems with their kids? You think that you think America's as nice as they act? I was in real estate. Boy, real estate agent going, but, well, it's good to have you. Uh, I've got the house for you. And back, go back in the back, and they make fun of their clients. They talk about their problems, the way they chew, the way they smile. People are not what they pretend to be. To act nice is to play dumb. Being kind is what you need to be. Crestatos. It is the goodness of God. Goodness is a form of crestatos. Crestos. It comes from Kriya, which is the word anoint. When you're anointed, you're anointed with truth. To be kind means to give people what they need, not what makes them feel good about you. Being kind is not nice. They're two different words and two different meanings. How much time do I have, Mike? 26. All right. I'll come back and read some more on this. I really, he has so much to say. Let me read this to you. He says, it's a bloodless cross that they preach. It's a crossless Christ who is received not as man manifest in the flesh, but merely as the ideal man. Jesus won the ideal man. He was God in the flesh. And then he says, 
There will be many in the lake of fire who commenced life with good intentions, honest resolutions, and exalted ideals. And they'll be in the lake of fire. Those who were just in their dealings, fair in their transactions. I didn't know many people like that in real estate. Charitable in all their ways. Men who prided themselves in their integrity, but who sought to justify themselves before God by their own righteousness. Men who were moral, merciful, and magnanimous, but who never saw themselves as guilty, lost, hell-deserving sinners needing a Savior. Boy, I like I like Arthur Pink, don't you? Was he American and lived? Uh, I think he was. I think he was from over in England. I'm not sure. He he man, he just gets down to it. The devil's delusion is that we can be saved by our own works. That's when men say, "Not of works, not of works." They mean works doesn't have anything to do with it. Yes, it does. Faith worketh by agape, by walking in the commandments of God. I'll come back and read some more of this. Oh, well, let me read this. This is really important. Again, thousands are deceived into supposing that they have accepted Christ as their personal Savior, who have not first received him. As Lord, the Son of God, did not come here to save his people in their sins, but from their sins. To be saved from sins is to be saved from ignoring and despising the authority of God. I love this man. He is uh, something else. Now, I'm going to talk about false teachers. I want us to go over here to Matthew 5. What these men have done, they've changed the Word of God. When they talk about prospering, being health, they talk about if you'll say to this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea. And they think a mountain is a big pile of dirt. Or it may be your bills. Or it may be uh, car payments or house payments. and Or it may be your health problems. A mountain was a capital city of an empire. And it meant, and it meant the mountain of Babylon that was built on self. Let us make us a name. When Jesus says to to Peter and John, if you'll say to this mountain of self that you're arguing with me about, you're saying you shouldn't have killed that fruit tree. It's against Jewish law to kill a fruit tree. Not unless it was five years old or older, not bearing fruit. So Jesus cursed the tree and it died. And Peter says, Behold, the key you cursed, the tree you cursed is dead. And it's against the law to do that, Jesus. There in Deuteronomy 20, the last two verses. Look here in Matthew 5. What these guys have done, these charismatics and Baptists, you're saved by belief, not by a prayer. And everybody, every Baptist I've ever been around, their favorite verse about getting saved, you don't get saved one night. God saves his sheep. 
He did not come to call goats to repentance. Goats can never repent. They've always been goats from the foundation of the world. He said, my sheep hear my voice. They know me and they follow me. And I give to my sheep eternal life. He didn't say, I give goats eternal life and turn them into sheep. They're lost before they come to me. Sheep have always been sheep. I preach on sheep and goats from time to time. And he said, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. All sheep become lost when they come to sin. They go out and sin and they're lost, but they're lost sheep. They're not lost goats. Goats are never lost. Goats don't need a shepherd. They survive on their own. There's some goats on a wave to our house out of off of Drake's Creek Road. Sometimes we'll go by there and one of them will be standing up in a tree. They can climb trees. They'll climb. I used to have a picture. I probably got it at the house somewhere. It's a I need to bring it up here if I can find it, hang it on the wall. It's a it's a calendar of goats. And it's got got them standing in trees. They climb trees. When you go when you see these Ibex goats, you can look at them on the internet. Ibex, I B E X. They're in Europe. And the Ibex goats will be they climb up and down this dam over there. It looks like it's 200 feet tall. It's the height of a skyscraper, and it's a, uh, and it's like just barely leaning. And these goats, will, these ibex goat, will climb up. They'll get a hold of some little rock there, and they'll climb all the way up here, 200 feet up here, and they're sure-footed on that slant, as if they're on on flat ground they don't need no shepherd they can climb up and down they'll climb trees goats don't want no shepherd leading them they go anywhere they want to go they eat what they want to eat had a guy come in here one time he said they cut a goat's belly open he had ten cans inside of him they, goat food is anything you can put in your mouth now, look here in what these guys do, they change jots and tittles. Jots and tittles. J-I-T-D-L-E-S. That's what Kenneth Copeland and all those guys do. Change jots and tittles. Verse 17, chapter 5. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy it, but to fulfill. Now, the law is comprised of the letter and the spirit. You can find that time and again in the New Testament. You look at the third chapter of Second Corinthians, and it will speak of the letter and the spirit. The letter killeth. That's the ritual. The letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. The letter of the law has been blotted out, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. 
the rituals had blotted out and now everything that was once literal is spiritual there's a spiritual passover a spiritual there's a spiritual pentecost a spiritual day of atonement i could take time to stop and explain it but i don't have time not now and he says very i send to you till heaven and earth pass one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled read verse 19 whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments what is he talking about what did he say in the previous verse jots and tittles anyone who changes a jot or a tittle of the law you change one thing in the word of God anyone who changes a jot or tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments jots and tittles shall teach men so he shall be called the least in the kingdom of God but whosoever shall do and teach them the same shall be great called great in the kingdom of heaven I've got a book over here let me get part of this this is a book on commentary on the New Testament of the Talmud and Hebraica. The tittle in the Hebrew. A tittle was the smallest marking on a letter. A smallest marking. If you've got If you got this part left out, that was a tittle. The jot is actually called the yod. When you translate, there are no J's in the Hebrew or Greek alphabet. When you translate a Y into English, it's yod or it's jot. Let me read this to you. This is in Commentary on the New Testament from the Talmud and Hebraica. This will show you how bad these guys are changing the Word of God. Let me go over here to the fifth chapter of Matthew. I'll read to you what the Pharisees said, changing the jots and the tittles were. Hold on here. All right. Look over here in, uh, I, you don't have a book, but they say, here's what they said. This is the fifth chapter of Matthew. This is in the Talmud and Hebraica. Let me give you their words. This is the words of the Pharisees. All right. That's too late in there. Back up here. All right. Give you what they say about this. What verse are we in? 17 and 18. They say, this is what the Pharisees said about jots and tittles. 
here. I've, I've got this book's about to come apart. All right. It is written, He shall not profane my holy name. Whosoever shall change the cat, the ch. This is a cat. To a hay, this is an H. To a hay destroys the world. For then written with the the hay makes this sense. Ye shall not praise my holy name. It is written in Psalms 150 and and six let every spirit praise the Lord whosoever changes the hay into ket destroys the world they lied against the Lord whosoever changes the baith this is what he's talking about this is the baith whoever changes the baith into cough to cough the bath has a tittle on it. The tittle is the smallest marking to a cough, which is a K, destroys the world. There is none holy as the Lord. This is what Jesus is talking about. Whoever changes the jots of the tittles are the least in the kingdom. It is written, the Lord our God is one God. He that changes daileth the daleth is the the tittle on the daleth is right here, the D. What Jesus is emphasizing, you can't change any of the Word of God. And that's all that the Charismatics have done. If he changes it to a resh, you got a tittle, a tit right there. If he changes it to a resh, he destroys the world. You're destroying the word of God by changing jots and tittles. You can't do that. In fact, they in here they say that the yod went before. This is what the way the 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 way the uh, Pharisees put it. That if you change a yod that's in in Deuteronomy over in Deuteronomy, where the Bible says that thou shalt not have many wives. You change one yod in it, and it says, thou shalt have many wives. So the yod goes and presents itself before God. says, Solomon has changed the yod. He's got all these wives. Jesus is emphasizing, you can't change one thing in the Word of God, and that's all that the charismatics do. They're very evil people. I mean, I, do, I cut no slack for any of those people. I don't believe they're Christians, and I don't believe the Jesus they teach is the right Jesus. Because they don't know how Satan presents himself. He comes as an angel of light, twisting the Word of God. That's what Mr. Pink said. He doesn't come initiating anything. He imitates by twisting. I don't like those people. And I know a lot of them very well. I was in gospel music. I know how they think.
now. Do I have any time, Mike? Nine. All right. You can go through a lot of these. Look over here in Matthew 15. Matthew 15 is one of my favorite chapters when it comes to the Pharisees perverting. The Pharisees perverted the Word of God. Matthew 15, verse 9. These people, it's talking about people who are perverting the Word of God. He said, these people draw nigh to me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, and that's not enough. But their heart is far from me. Lip service doesn't mean anything. Saying I love Jesus doesn't mean nothing. If God doesn't change your heart and cause you to repent and come away from yourself and live for him and not yourself. And most of those people are living for themselves trying to be rich. But in vain they do worship me. Teaching for doctrines, didache, for instruction, for instruction, the commandments of men. Who is he talking about? Well, look earlier in this chapter. The Pharisees come to Jesus and say, Why do why thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? That word tradition is all important. It's the word paradosis. Paradosis means the the verbal law, law the verbal law of Moses. It actually means the traditionary law. law of Moses that's what's wrong is man's tradition the traditionary law of Moses was called the halakha I kept calling it the halakha on another message but it was the halakha this is where the Pharisees got their idea of what the truth was when the Jews were carried into captivity over there in the Old Testament when Judah southern Judah was carried into Babylon they were carried over there and they were carried naked they didn't have a temple the temple was back over here in Judah in Jerusalem and the temple was destroyed and Jerusalem was destroyed because Israel kept going after those other gods so they were carried over to Babylon And there were men in Babylon that said, we'll take over. The ones who were in charge over here were the ones who had corrupted God's word and went after Baal and the grove and so forth. Baal and grove. And and they did that for 500 years, so God scattered them. Southern Jews were carried away by Babylon into captivity. When they got there, they said, we need a way to worship. That's what this is about right here in the 15th chapter of Matthew. 
we need a law over here. So what they did, they took their law over here out of Jerusalem. I'm sure they carried it with them. But they took that law and they said they had 613 laws that came. I don't know if they had 613. That's what they said they had. And the, the law to them was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. When they went over to, they were carried into Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar and put in captivity. When they got over here, they said, we need a way to live. We need a way to live. So they, they, had, they appointed a head rabbi. Rabbi means, rabbi means master or teacher. When you get, this was in 586, when they were carried away, B.C. Many years down the road, when you get to Jesus, they were the, the Pharisees were the descendants of the rabbis of the Babylonian synagogue. They were the Pharisees, and they called themselves rabbis, and they were the keepers of the law, and where they really messed up, and they they did the same thing the Baptists and the Pentecostals and the Charismatics are doing today. They're doing the same thing. They translated this law, they call that translation a Targum, when they get over here, they said, we need a man. Instead of having a high priest like they had over here in Jerusalem, I sure there, I'm sure there was some finagling to be the high priest. They had rabbis under them. But the man who was in charge said, we need translators to translate this, this, this Hebrew law. The law was written in Hebrew over to the Babylonian Aramaic. Because that's what they spoke in Babylon. They said, we need a, a, a teacher. And so they had a head rabbi and rabbis under him who worked in the synagogue. The synagogue was Babylonian in origin. It wasn't something that was righteous. It was something that was unholy. They started this synagogue, which means to assemble together. And what they taught in the synagogue, they had two forms of the law, the Halakha and the Haggadah. I can't even teach Matthew the 15th chapter without putting this on the board. And the Haggadah. The halakha was a verbal law. And it was something that the head rabbi, there were some famous head rabbis, one named Maimonides, another one called Simon the Just. And they could add, as a rabbi would die, and a new rabbi would come up, 
he could add his opinions as to what this Hebrew translation over into the Aramaic, what it actually meant. So he would add his verbal opinions. These, this law, halakha, could not be written down. It had to simply be spoken, and it was passed down from generation to generation, and they called it a tradition. And they called it a verbal law. It was the traditionary law of Moses, and it was everything but righteous. Anytime you find tradition in the New Testament, it is usually the word paradosis, and it means the traditionary law of Moses or the law that the rabbis put their opinions on and said it means this. And you couldn't trust that. That was the law of the Pharisees. And the Pharisees said the most holy thing to them was the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week. When Jesus, they said that man was, the Pharisees said, according to their halakha, that man was created on the sixth day to put him in subjection to the Sabbath. And Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. They would, ooh, we'll get you for that. Everything he said to them contradicted this traditionary law of Moses. It was their tradition to wash their hands before they eat. It don't mean wash the hands. They said, why don't your, why don't your followers wash their hands before they eat? Their hands were their eating utensils. They would sit, take a piece of bread, dip it into the whatever was in the middle of the table, and put it in their mouth. They couldn't be working in a sewer with dirty hands. What they meant, they took those verses out of the Old Testament, and they would walk into this room that had the triclinium table where they all laid down prone on a table. It was a feast table. And they would dip their hands into this these two receptacles ceremonially and lift them out and dry their hands off and go in and eat. It was just a ritual. That's why they said in this chapter, why do your apostles not wash their hands before they eat? They meant, why don't they perform this ritual? And Jesus said, you make the word of God of none effect by your traditions. None effect, akarao, akarao. A-K-U-R-O-O comes from kurios, K-U-R-I-O-S, and the alpha pivot, it means no. Kurios is the word Lord. I am not your Lord when you perform rituals to worship me. I believe water baptism and pass around crackers and grape juice is a ritual that where God says I'm not in that I've run out of time I'm going to come back I've got a whole paper here with verses against these guys I don't believe in what the preachers are preaching in America don't believe any of them John MacArthur is on the verge but he's got his Christmas He's got his water and his crackers and grape juice. 
probably got his Easter is Ishtar. He's been a disappointment to me. I thought he really understood the truth. I believe John is a believer, but I believe his works are going to be burned, even as by fire. I believe he's that man that himself would be saved, but some of these works he's doing, he's compromising the truth to 10,000 on Sunday morning. If he told him the total truth that God wants sin to happen so he can be angry at it in order to have wrath... Do you realize if God does everything, if he's going to have wrath on anybody, he's got to create the wrath. Because nothing can happen without him. Even evil can't happen without God doing it. God has to be behind it. He puts us in these wicked bodies. The Bible says a man is drawn away with his own lust. He's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. It's the lust of the flesh that goes to sin. But let me ask you this. Who created you in that fleshly body that's full of lust? God. God could have created us out of formica and we would never sin, couldn't he? Or plastic or something. But he didn't. He put us in these bodies and then he said, Thou shalt not, Adam, and the day you do, you will die. Don't you tell your kids... Don't do that. I'll whip you. I will whip you when you do that. Didn't, didn't, didn't you do that? He, you actually expected your kids not to do it because you said, Thou shalt not. And you thought, Well, from now on, they won't do that because I told them not to. <laughs> you actually believe that? No more than Adam was not going to do it because God said, Thou shalt not. And the day you do, you'll die. Well, let's pray. I'm out of time. I'll come back. I'm going to stay on this subject of these false teachers. I believe they are the corruption of this nation, nothing else. I don't believe we have, I believe we have the drug problem because of the preachers in the pulpits. I believe we, they were cheering Elvin, uh, what's her name? The degenerate. Helen, the degenerate, she was on there the other day getting this award and she was getting up there glowing and being a homosexual, being a lesbian and they were cheering and shouting to the high heavens on the Golden Globes. I thought, this is outrageous. They're saying it's wonderful you've come out of the closet and you're telling all the world and all of Hollywood is applauding you. Well, we're in trouble, you know Let's pray. Father, thank you for your truth. Cause us to continue this work and help us to realize what Satan, how he comes. He comes disguising himself as you, and that's what the world is worshiping. Thank you for your truth. Fight our battles. Give us courage to continue and to keep going. God will praise you for everything in Christ's name. Amen. Lead us to your elect. Amen, brother. The Masons, they do that same thing in the bubble. They put new windows in our apartment. Put new windows. Yeah, and I have a window in my bedroom. So the guy was um, changing the window out, and I have a TV and a DVD player, so I put your... Um, your um, 
video in or your DVD in, and he was he yeah, took about a half hour to get that window out, put the new one in. So he heard you for a good 20, 25, 30 minutes. And I walk in the room because I was out in the front watching the guy put the front window in. Walked in the bedroom and goes, I agree with this guy. And then he goes, What do you think of abortion? So you, the DVD was on the orgay, and he would talk about the evil of man. So he was agreeing that yes, man is evil, and he was you know kind of like um, just centralizing it into abortion. So I told him, I go, God touches on abortion in Exodus 21:22, and he goes, Well, hey, I go, I go, yeah, and he goes, I can read that. So did you tell him accidental abortion resulted in death? Yeah. Well, it's it, <laughs> if there was mischief, and then it says. You know, would it, he, the guy will have to be punished. They'll have According to be punished. According to the, the husband. The guy, whatever the husband says. But if there's mischief, then death. Then death, that's right. Mischief means it's it's aborted. Oh, okay, I see what you mean. Okay. If it's, yeah, you're right then. If it's an accidental abortion, it's yeah. death. Okay, I see, yeah. Hey, can I make a copy over there of that Satan thing by Pink? You said you were going to bring it a few months ago, but then you said... I... This is a lot to it. Oh, wow. I didn't know it was that much. Yeah, yeah it's a it. lot. I thought it was two pages. Satan and the Gospel. And Y'all his look gospel. that up on the Internet. I, I'd be able to find it it's on the a, Internet. It's a... Yeah, that's too much. It's a great, great thing, but maybe I can just have some made. Yeah, that's I go great. I'll go down and have some I'd made. I'd love it, to uh, have that. Yeah, they, they, he's really got it down. Yeah. And this was during his life before 1952. And what, he, what you said about it's non-anarchy, it's delusion. It's, it's imitation. Yeah. It's... You can't get people to believe this. No. They just don't want to believe it. How can how can all these preachers be wrong? But they are. Oh yeah. And you're right you can't get mad at them. God made them that way. That is the problem. Hey, who's that preacher that just said? There's no way he could be talking like that all the time. He goes home. Says, Dear, I would like ham and eggs for breakfast this morning. Oh, that that was that was. Uh, he's dead now, uh, Adrian Rogers. He talks like this all the time. You never heard Adrian Rogers on the radio? <clears throat> dear, dear, I like ham and eggs for breakfast. Do you hear me? <clears throat> How you doing? I can't finish up these charismatics. They are the epitome of liars at the end of time. Is D. James Kennedy still alive? Huh? What's his name? D. James Kennedy? Yeah. Just a mush, mush mouth. He used to say, 75% of America's Christian. I bet he don't think so now that he's in hell. I don't understand these preachers like they can't understand the Word of God. How can Billy Graham be a Christian when he everybody in the world liked him except me? He was puzzling to me when I was a kid. I thought I can't understand this being great and wonderful. Yeah, you were saying that he sounds like all the other preachers. He sounded like my father and all of his friends. 
He just had a big voice that impressed people. Waiting to hear him say something. Some miraculous thing, and he never did. And I was 11 or 12 years old. I kept hearing his name at 11 and 12. Who is this fantastic man of God? Went out there to Will Rogers Coliseum, and he sounded like I was going. He sounds like Daddy and, and Brother Vess and some of those other preachers. You were always evaluating. Even as a kid, I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't exactly say that, but I knew he sounded like Daddy. It was just generalities. No death to self, no daily cross. I didn't know that was even there back then. That would have shocked me if it had said death to self and daily cross. That would have been so shocking to me. I would have, whoa. There must be something to it. You want to keep him up on the cross. That's the problem. The thing is, the wooden cross, they're not even preaching the wooden cross when they preach that Jesus died on the cross. Because his wooden cross was for his elect family, his wife, the church. If they don't say that, it's not the cross of Christ. It just... It appalls me what's going on in these pulpits. They talked about how, what a good Christian boy, this boy that got killed, this police officer. And Mary said she's watching. She said something really depressed me. One of the guys got up there, said he was in church all the time, every time church is open. And then we used to go to his house, me and him would play ping pong in the garage and have some beers together. Whoa, what? It's like the funeral. I've never seen anything like the funeral. Hundreds of hundreds of police cars, hundreds of motorcycles. They were coming from all over the state and Alabama, and they blocked off all of Gallatin Road from the from the First Baptist all the way down here to New Shackle Island. You couldn't get in and out of any driveways or anything. I got stuck in the driveway of the post office for over an hour watching that parade of people come by. Yeah. They gave everybody heads up. Stay out, stay out of the area. Yep. Who said that? No, I was just saying. They should. I called a neighbor. I called Holly and said, don't come. You come to town every day. Don't you come in here. You'll get stuck in a parking lot. You can't get out of it. I did. I'm just... Where's the book you were reading? The Earth of Pink stuff? Yeah, it's a, it's just it's uh oh you had just print out from the book yeah I had to it's an I mean Pink really had it down he really knew what was going on and we're not talking about today we're talking about the forties and the thirties. That's when he was a real popular writer. <laughs> this is it here. Satan and his gospel. Is, that, is it from that book? Satan and his Satan and yeah, his gospel. Okay, okay, that's the okay. That is the one. Okay. That he he really nails it down. And people think I'm crazy, and that's what Arthur Pink preached. Preached predestination and preached. Yeah. It's what he was saying is exactly what I've been saying here. Yeah. 
And people want to make you some kind of a demon when you're saying this. I don't know of anybody that's willing to say this today. Not even John MacArthur. He preaches a smooth gospel, and he's pretty gentle about it. And even when he talks about repentance, he never talks about the negative side of Jesus. The negative Jesus, the one that everybody hates. He talks like everybody that's a believer is they like this real nice Jesus. Believers don't like it when they're told to die daily, take their cross daily, and say things that's going to make people infuriated with you. Being infamous. MacArthur's half on and half off. He's a compromiser. I believe he's a believer. But boy, there's some things he's... How can he say that he knows that December the 25th is the birthday of Mithra and the Saturnalia and all of that? That used to be my director. When I told him about Christmas right away, he knew it. Who's that? The, the guy that was my director at work that left to go into the ministry. When I first talked to him about Christmas, he knew all about it. You know, when I talked to him about baptism, you know, and showed him the McClinic and Strong, he he really didn't even want to hear what it. He ended up leaving, and he he, he I guess he's, he's in the ministry at some Baptist church or something. But he didn't, they can't afford to be a Baptist and not dip in water. Yeah. You're not a Baptist if you don't dip in water. Just. It appalls me. These guys will have definition in front of their face and they'll go, well, we can't believe that because they don't believe it's in a Baptist church. Now, I'm a Baptist. It doesn't mean that. Yeah. That's what they say. Predestinate don't mean predestinate. Yeah, in America. Why don't they just...